Uh, good evening and welcome to uh, our midweek service, midweek 7 o'clock service. We've been talking about, uh, talking from the topic of grown up. Uh, we've actually had a good time with just just walking through the reality of what it means to be grown up in God's eyes and the kingdom of God um, and somewhat being challenged to uh, grow up ourselves, you know. And, and so I was meditating on some things this week and the Lord was showing me, I told you we was going to talk about it, but uh, a grown-up embraces crucial and unpopular decisions. A grown-up embraces crucial and unpopular decisions. Basically, uh, a grown-up does what's best, right? Embraces crucial and unpopular decisions. And I, I uh, you know, as I've been growing in the kingdom, something the Lord showed me some years ago, you know, he said, Keith, you know, in your life, you, you probably have somewhere between, it's probably not really a, a realistic number. We have a lot of decisions. We have hundreds of thousands of millions of decisions um, to make in our lives. <clears throat> and you might need to turn me up just a little bit more, please. You know that air. Got my throat. But, uh, you know, we make millions of decisions in our life, but we have like these, these, that's fine. We have like these, um, we have situations or, or pinnacle moments in our life where we have to make crucial and unpopular decisions. Um, and again, we always say it's crucial because probably it's not comfortable. It's outside of our norm, our normal flow. It may be unpopular because everybody's not in agreement with it. You know, I think through um, just a lot of different decisions. Uh, you know, my decision to, uh, to move to Columbus, Ohio, that, that probably was one of them. Not probably that was one of them. <laughs> uh, actually, my decision to get married. Uh, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't on a, I know I wanted to spend the rest of my life with somebody I wanted to uh, uh, be with for the rest of my life, which of course is that lovely lady back there. But in all honesty, I, I wasn't making no commitments like that. <laughs> You know, it's like you, you want something, but the reality of what it takes to get what you want sometimes is not at our convenience. Most of the time it's not. So that was crucial and unpopular. Not the unpopular wasn't because of what everybody else thought was. It was because of how I had <laughs> been living my life. I wasn't commitment forever. Um, and then uh, to leave the state of Ohio, I was working. I was a secure employee. Uh, certified employee, couldn't be fired, and the Lord told me to leave, so that was one. Um, you know, embracing the job to work for the church was another one, obviously moving to Charlotte, you know, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of different decisions we've had to make. Uh, actually, our first home was a crucial and popular decision, you know, it's like, babe, we can't even afford a home, you know, <laughs> you know, our credit is terrible. She was like, well, let's go see what it takes, let's just Let's just go to see what it takes. I was just going out of, you know, like, okay, when they tell you that, that man, y'all crazy, but that's not what the lady says. She says, uh, we can work with this. I was like, no, 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 you know. Um, but it was, it was just a lot of decisions. Uh, um, and, and, and this is the thing. You know, crucial and unpopular decisions obviously is doing what's best. 
Um, doing what's best is not always convenient or popular, but it's always powerfully impacting. It's not always convenient and popular, but it's always powerfully impacting. You know, so anytime you have to do what's best, you know, if we're just looking at what's going to be at our convenience, we can find ourselves in a lot of trouble. And if it's just we're looking for if everybody else is doing it, you know, if it's popular, you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. So it's not always, sometimes it is convenient and sometimes it is popular. But you can guarantee if you do what's best, it's always powerfully impacting, powerfully impacting. So First, first Corinthians 6.12 is our scripture. It says, all things are lawful unto me. But all things are not expedient, not best is what that word means. It says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So, so again, that word lawful is, you know, without, you know, uh, boundaries. You know, so pretty much any, anything that's in the gamut of decisions we can make in our life, you can pretty much do anything. But everything is not best. And if we remove the lenses of doing what's best, we're subject to do anything. Because there's a lot of things that look good, sound good, feel good, pretty popular. Everybody's doing it. I've been doing it for a while, so I have a momentum in it. So surely because I've invested this time, I should be doing this, right? Right. But see, as we mature, we have to, we, we, we're, we're not jumping or we're not going with the flow all the time. And we're not jumping into everything that, that we may like to do. We're going to do what's best. Is this best? And, we're, you know, we're going to line it up with the, you know, plan off of the kingdom of God, right? See, <laughs> doing what's best. A grown-up can do what's best when they are honest about where they are. A grown-up can do what's best when they're honest about where they are. So sometimes we're not honest about where we really are, Right? Uh, Psalm 119, 105, it says, uh, uh, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the word shows us where we are and it's a light unto our path so we can get where we have to be or where we're trying to go. The word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's a reality that, you know, when we start looking at that word, we see in reality where we, where we really are. So, so where do we start this process of doing what's best and finding out where we are? So I have a little list here for us, right? And the first thing is we have to list where we are, list where we are. So I'm on this road to growing up, and, and in growing up, I want to do what's best, but I have to be honest about where I'm at. So we want to list where we are. Now, when we're listing where we are, we're listing where we are with God, with marriage. They, should, they, they probably have the list up there for you. Um, with family, with personality, and that's our interactions and our attitudes, right? With purpose, with preparation, and that's our disciplines, our defaults, and our delusions, right? So, again, the first thing we want to do on this road to growing up in discovering, we, we have to be honest about where we are. And so we want to list where we are with God. Where are we in our relationship with God? Where, where are we truly in our covenants, those that are married? Where are we with family? 
Where are we? And again, we're not sizing up if we should be there or not. We're just being honest about where we actually are. Where are we in our personality, our interactions, and our attitudes? Like, are we, we have to be honest about where our attitudes are. Honest about how we're interacting personally with people. Where are we with purpose? Honest about where we are with purpose. Are we running from it, hiding from it, embracing it, preparing for it? Where are we with preparation? See, so we have to be honest about where we are in our disciplines, where we are in our defaults, because we have certain defaults that we may need to change, and where are we in our delusions? We have to be honest about things that we're really delusional about, right? All right, so after we list where we are, with all those things listed, now we want to list where we would like to be in relationship to all those things. So where would I like to be with in my relationship with God, in my marriage, with my family, in my personality, my interactions and my attitudes? Where would I like to be when it, as it relates to purpose? Where would I like to be in terms of my preparation, my disciplines, my defaults, and my delusions? Where would I really like to be, okay? So again, we're not saying that you need to be there, but we're saying this is where I'm at, and in all honesty, this is where I would like to be. Now, once we list where we are and where we would like to be, we're asking God, what's the next best step from here? So once I list those things, this is where I'm at, this is where I would like to be. Okay, God, what's the next best step from here for me to get from where I'm at to where I would like to be? Now, normally when God gives you that next best step, he's not just going to send you where you would like to be. He's going to send you where you're supposed to be, <laughs> right? But you're, you're pretty much listing where you would at least like to be, you know, because you know, things get, as you get closer, things will get clearer, okay? Now, now, after you ask God what's the next best step from here, the next thing is develop a life map. Develop a life map. So this is where we, we, we mess ourselves up. Sometimes we don't have a whole picture, you know. So a life map is not just your profession. It's including your profession. It's including your family. It's including your marriage. It's including your, your goals, your disciplines. Your, it's including everything. It's your whole life map, right? So I, I tell people all the time, like, when you, okay, so you guys just got married. So you get married now, so, so. So, Patanza, you, it was you and your daughter. Now you have you, your daughter, and a husband. So, you know, remember you was going out to get something to eat. You was like, well, me and Kenzie like the same thing, you know. But now we got to mess around with this guy and the things he likes, you know. You know, before you, you, you could just make the decision. You know, Kenzie would be like, okay, mom. You know, now you'd be like, what do you mean you don't like what I want to <laughs> What do you mean you have a difference of opinion? Well, by, same thing with Ray. Ray just had him. Now he's got, you know, a wife and a daughter, right? Right? And so now you have to, you, you, if you don't stretch out your life map or your life plan, those will be interruptions. Ray will be an interruption. But he's not supposed to be an interruption. He's supposed to be actually on the map, you know, not off to the side, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, so whether it's like uh, uh, Batanza getting their hair done, that should be on the map. That shouldn't be off to the side. What? what, you got to get your hair done? But I was about to go buy such and such. No, see, see, it has to be included in your whole life map, okay? Now, once you develop this life map, you're going to check off steps along the way. Once you develop this life map, you're going to check off steps along the way. So as you do things, so as you uh, really start working out like you should be doing, right? You're checking off, I'm working out, right? Right? 
But see, but even if you don't work out, when you look at the, like, the, the map, which you should be looking at, because how you going to get where you're going if you don't check the map, right? When you look at the map, you're going to look at the map and go, I still haven't gotten to this one over here. I haven't checked this off yet, okay? So it's, it's not to uh, condemn you, but it's to challenge you to be mindful of it. Does that make sense? All right, so remember there are purpose steps that you'll be taking along the way, right? Now, these purpose steps is what we call long-term results. Um, so you're doing today what will empower you tomorrow. You're doing today what will empower, empower you tomorrow. So, so as you're on this, you know, how you, have, you know, the maps have coordinates and stuff like that. Well, you'll have purpose steps, right? So there's long-term destinations on the map. But then there's some things you can get to right away, right? Right? Does that make sense? Right? And so those are uh, practical steps. So the practical steps are short-term decisions. Do all that's in your power now. So the short-term are things you can do now. Long-term are things that you're going to have to grow to or get to or it's going to take time to get done, right? But you have them all on the map, right? And the short-term things keep you motivated. That's how you pick up momentum, right? Because you're like, oh, I, I got this done. Oh, I got this done. So you feel a sense of accomplishment, and that's going to keep you motivated moving towards what? The long-term goals, right? And then each time you reach a long-term goal, you're like, man, it took me a while, but I'm so glad I got here, right? But you ain't taking your eyes off the map, right? Okay, good. All right, so that's, that's, that's uh, just where do we start on this process of growing up. Right, really growing up, and, and uh, I'm going to give you this quote because I have it here. But it's, uh, it's by Albert Einstein. We can't solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. So we can't solve our problems with the <laughs> with the same thinking we used to create them. So a lot of times we're trying to solve our problem, but we're operating on the same mindset we did to create the problems. We got to change how we're thinking, right? if we want to change the results we're getting, right? I'm sorry, I, I forgot to give you the scripture. I know the people online have it, but the people here don't. But the scripture for the purpose steps and the practical steps is Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. Uh, 15 says walk circumspectly, right? Be intentional with your steps, right? And then um, 16 says redeem the time. Maximize your moments, right? And so you're maximizing your purpose and your practical steps, right? Ephesians 5, 15 to 16. Apologize, should have gave you that earlier. So I so, so already gave you uh, Psalm 119, 105, but, you know, words of lamp unto your feet, light unto your, a, light, a light unto your path. I, so, so what we said to do this, to operate and to really grow up and, uh, and to start moving towards what God wants us to do, we have to be honest about where we are, right? So basically, we have to stop lying about where we are in life. We have to stop lying about where we are in life. I'm going to repeat it one more time. We have to stop lying about where we are in life. Right? So, so, so again, we have to be honest about where we are in life. And, and, and so this is the reality. The reality is some of us are still lying, Right? Some of us haven't grown up to embrace the truth. We're still lying, right? And so you got to ask yourself this. Can you still lie like a child? 
How does the child lie? Unaware, the child is unaware of, ignorant to, and rejecting reality. A child is unaware of, ignorant to, or rejecting reality. So if we go back to our process, we, so we're talking about making crucial and unpopular decisions. And we said to make crucial and unpopular decisions, we have to do, embrace doing what's best. But to embrace doing what's best, we have to be honest about where we are, right? We have to be honest about where we are. You know, words left to feet light in the path. So we went through the checklist, and the checklist, you know, the checklist was for us to start this process, we have to uh, list, list where we are, you know, with God, with marriage, with family, personality, right? That's interactions and attitudes, with purpose, with preparation, discipline, defaults, and delusions, right? And then we said we have to list where we would like to be, right? All this is on the video, right? It says, then we have to ask God the next best step from here. We have to de develop our life map, right? As we're developing our life map, we have to remember their purpose steps and their practical steps, right? Walk circumspectly and redeem the time. Then we say that we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use to create them, right? Then we got here and we said, okay, we're being honest with ourselves. We have to stop lying, Right? Some of us are still lying, <laughs> not lying, haven't grown up to embrace the truth. And I just asked the question, can you still lie like a child? I just did all that so we're all on the same page. You had to bring us up to speed so we, you know, we all <laughs> know where we're going with this, right? I so, and, and, as when, and, and when a child lies, they're either unaware of, ignorant to, or rejecting reality. They're either unaware of reality so they're lying, <laughs> right? They're ignorant to reality. They're lying or living a lie. Or they're rejecting reality. They don't want to know the truth, right? And so can you still live like a child? And so this is lie like a child. I'm sorry. Can we live a lie or continue to live in a lie? Can we live a lie? Now, a lie is what? It's not the truth, right? Or to continue to live in a lie. Okay, once again, we're growing up, and to grow up, we have to embrace where we are. And we, so for, in order for us to get where maybe we want to go, but ultimately where God wants us to go, right? Right? So we have to be honest with ourselves. So, so, so here, I want you to process through this. Can we tell ourselves we can look through the lenses of compromise, right? Can we tell ourselves, hey, we can look through the lenses of compromise and assess that which is holy and purposed, right? So in other words, as we've been growing in a lot of our lives, we've told ourselves, hey, I can put on compromised lenses, but I can still assess what's holy and purposed. You ever talk to somebody living in compromise and you talk to them and they're confident about the choices and decisions they're making and they're almost talking to you like you're an idiot? But, but, this is the challenge. They, they're, they're, they may see you as an idiot because they're looking through the lenses of compromise. And so compromise is telling them, you're an idiot, right? But, but they, they don't even know they have the lenses on. So they're thinking they're operating without the lenses, but the lenses of compromise are, are on their eyes the whole time. And so when, 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 when the question is asked, can you live a lie, it's asking, can you keep telling yourself, hey, 
I don't have to really make sure I'm seeing clearly to assess the choices, decisions, and steps I need to make in my life. I don't have to make sure I'm seeing clearly. I can continue and compromise because I'm fine. I see just fine. But, but no, you see. There's no guarantee you see just fine. <laughs> but you do see. You see something. <laughs> right? You just don't see you have on the wrong lenses. You have the wrong prescription. <laughs> so there's things you're missing, right? Pastor Keith was missing without his glasses, okay? All right, so, so, so how can we do this? How can we tell ourselves I can look through the lenses of compromise and still assess that which is holy and purposed? Well, you can do it. We, we can do it if we can't see God. See, if I can't see God, see, if I see God, then I, I know good and well I can't stay in compromise and, and see accurately. But if I can't see God, I, there's, there's nothing reminding me of, of my blindness or blind spots, right? All right, so, so let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures here just that speaks to at least that point before we keep moving here with grown up. All right, so Matthew 5, Beatitudes, is a, just a wonderful Matthew 5 is just wonderful to read through anyway. Jesus took the time out to really um, school us, you know. He was schooling them, but he schooled us too. It was in red. But Matthew 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, if I read something that tells me something, so blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. My mind starts to say, okay, if I'm not pure in heart, what happens? I don't see God, right? Right? I mean, that's, that's easy to deduct for us, right? And then let's look at, look at uh, go over here to 13, Matthew 13, 13. One of the uh, shows, what was it 13, 13, Markenburg Lane? What was that? The Monsters or something? It's an old show. It's an old show, yeah. But it's an old, y'all forgot, y'all, y'all, y'all probably didn't know it. If I only, the Munsters, yeah, it was uh, uh, Frankenstein and, and Dracula, Morticia, and all these type of people. Anyway, it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a comedy, but it was like a sitcom. But I think that's where they lived. <laughs> all right, so, all right, so uh, Matthew 13, verse 13, it says, uh, it, says, it says, therefore speak I to them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Neither do they understand. So, again, but they think they understand, and they think they see, and they think they hear, right? But they really don't, right? And so, let's go to Hebrews 12. Let's go to Hebrews 12, right? Because sometimes we're stuck in a lie. Because we're not embracing the truth. The truth is what frees us, right? So Hebrews 12, and we'll start here with verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Because we want to maintain, you know, we, we, talk, we talk about this all the time. Uh, we have to fight to see, fight to see, fight to be in reality, Right? So verse 14, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness without. So, so again, it's telling us something on the front end of the comma. Follow peace with all men 
and holiness, without no man shall see the Lord. So again, we can deduct, if I don't follow peace with all men, so if I'm, if, if, you know how people say, I just love to argue. Well, you don't love following peace with all men, and you don't love seeing God. It says, and follow holiness. It says, without no man shall see the Lord. Now, this is the New Testament. It's saying that if we don't follow peace with all men and holiness, it's giving us an instruction of something to do, right? It didn't say we can leave that under grace, did it? No, it just says this is something that we should do. It says if we want to see the Lord. But look at this, verse 15. It says looking diligently. So, so again, we're fighting to see. That diligence is a, is a, is a, is a fighting to see. I want, I'm fighting to be able to see. Looking diligently. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. So I don't even get the grace if I'm not doing these things. Because the grace is attached to me being in a certain position with God, right? According to what this scripture says. It says, look, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many are defiled. Going back to those compromised lenses, right? It says, look, it says, lest there be any fornicator or profane profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. One morsel of meat, he sold his birthright. So, so the interesting thing, if you process, Esau lost sight of his birthright and immaturely sold it for a moment of pleasure. See, again, only a child would do that. You know, I, I mean, we, I've done stuff. I've given away stuff. Throwing away, throwing away things that were of value or didn't really value it as much and lost it. Uh, there's things that will be worth a tremendous amount of money to this day if I wasn't immature. <laughs> Very immature. Uh, I didn't properly care for things. Or in a moment, okay, willing to exchange something of value for something that's just going to make you feel good in a moment. You know, you see people out on certain corners for a quick high, they've given away their entire cars. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or some athletes have given away rings that's worth, to, right now they will be worth $500,000, but they gave it away for like a 15-minute, well, it's not even 15-minute, probably a 15-second high. Right? But it's something in us when we're clouded and we're not, grown up and we haven't embraced the disciplines and, uh, and lock into the focus and learn the value of delayed gratification, we, we jump into, I got to feel good right now, right? All right, so, 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 so we see that these pure hearts see God, but pure hearts see God because they live in righteousness and truth. You know, pure hearts live in righteousness and truth, right? Let's go to Psalm 32. Again, we're talking about growing up, and we're talking about the process of growing up, being honest about where we are, because immaturity has us in this, uh, this pocket that we're supposed to grow out of. You know, when you're young, you lie. Again, ignorance, running from the truth, what have you. You don't want to get in trouble or, you know, I would say this because I got spankings. Um, I guess if you want to call them spankings, they probably was more beat Keith senseless. But we'll just call them spankings for right now. <clears throat> and, you know, so they really believed, you know, you know, 
Meet the child, he shall not die. So, <laughs> he had faith in that. So, but I remember, I remember, I think I shared this with you guys a while ago, but I remember when I realized, why am I lying? And I remember the first time I realized it, I was in college. And, and I was like, why am I lying to these girls? It's not like I'm going to get a spanking or, or beaten. This is literally what I said to myself. I said, man, I'm going to stop lying to people. Now, what that meant is I was still doing things I shouldn't have been doing, but I'm, now I'm going to tell you I'm doing it. And I realized people don't really embrace the truth because I was telling the truth and people didn't believe me. I'm not going to tell you all the truths I was telling them. That's not appropriate. Uh, but I was telling them the truth. What was you doing? I tell them what I was doing. You play too much. Okay. That's what you think. I did my job. Now, some of y'all sitting back there thinking right now, oh, he actually told me the truth. I sure did. And the thing is, and, and so as I grew, there still was a, see, see, there was a surface truth, but then there was a subtle deception there. Because when you really want somebody to know the truth, you don't just Okay, that's what you want to believe. You really spend the time, hey, no, 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 really. Let me just make sure you understand this is the truth, right? See, I didn't care about that. I was just like, okay, well, check. I, I told you the truth. Um, but there, there still was a, a core deceptiveness in what I was doing, right? Y'all still think I'm talking about me? Yeah, okay. I was just making sure. Make sure we all here together. God's talking to all of us. There still was a, a subtle, I must repeat, <laughs> there still was a subtle core deceptiveness in what I was doing, right? Uh, we, 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 we got these labels, uh, you got, was it half-truths, uh, white lies, you got these lists, right? No, no, it ain't, it ain't a white lie, it ain't a black lie, it ain't a pink lie, it ain't a yellow lie, it's a lie, right? It's not a half-truth, it's not the truth. <laughs> half Quarter, three quarters, two fourths. If it ain't the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth is a lie, right? So we got that down, and we all in agreement there. Good. All right. So, 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 Psalm thirty-two, verse two. It says, "Blessed." Again, you know, we're really trying to get to this blessed person, right? So, blessed is the man un, unto whom the Lord imputeth not inequity, in whose spirit there is no guile. And see, okay, so, so for God to impute inequity, inequity, uh, uh, it's, it's almost like a, you're living a lie, right? So if God doesn't impute inequity to you, you're blessed. But then it says something, it took it further, it says whose, whose, whose spirit there is no guile. Now, that word guile is trickery or deceit. So, so, so you notice it didn't say in whose mouth or whose body. It says in whose spirit, in your core, when he looks inside your heart, there's no trickery or deceit. Right? There's a scripture that says, humble yourself in the sight of God, you shall be exalted in due time. It didn't say in the sight of man. Like, so in your core, God is, no matter how we present ourselves, God is looking at our heart. Is our heart matching the outside? Or is the outside a presentation, but the inside is a front, is a lie, right? So is a lie backing this, this, this uh, presentation of, of, that looks like the truth. 
Um, so the uh, CEV version, which I forgot exactly, contemporary English version, it says, you told me your sins without trying to hide them. So God didn't impute inequity to the person that told him their sins without trying to hide them. That was genuine, you know, contemporary English version of the same verse. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Just, again, we've been talking about growing up, and we can't talk about growing up without embracing the truth, and we can't embrace the truth without recognizing, you know, how the adversary, how we've allowed the adversary to kind of uh, ease us into living a lie, uh, sometimes with our permission and sometimes without, right? All right, so James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says, if any man among you seem to be religious, seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. So, look, this scripture says you can deceive your own heart, right? It's similar to the scripture says you can oppose yourself, right? Deceiveth is, that is what the scripture says, right? Deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. And then it goes on and says, pure religion and, undef- uh, and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless uh, and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, God is saying that you can be unspotted from the world. It's, it's right here in the scripture. We can be unspotted from the world, right? We can be unspotted from the world, right? And, and it's saying that, that if there's, there's, a, there's a way you can look religious, but actually you're deceiving your own heart, right? You're not, uns- like you're, you're, you have a religious front, but you're living more in the world, right? You're not unspotted from the world. So that's going to taint the very thing that's coming out of you, right? That's not genuinely walking in the things of God. Let's go to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. Again, we're talking about being grown up and we, you know, we opened up with, um, you know, we have to be able to make crucial and unpopular decisions and to make crucial and unpopular decisions, we have to be able to do what's best. To do what's best, we're going to have to be able to embrace the truth. To embrace the truth, we gave like a list of things. Where am I? Where am I? Where do I want to be? God, what's the next best step from here? And then having a life map and checking off those steps along the way. But understanding that there's purpose steps and there's practical steps, right, to do this. But in, but in order for us to even start taking these steps, we have to know where we are. And to know where we are, we have to embrace the truth. So we have to recognize if we're living in a lie. If we've actually deceived our own heart, like it says in, in James chapter 1, verse 26, Right? We have to locate ourselves. So what did I tell you? Psalm 36. I think I told you, but I'm not even there. So So Psalm 36. uh, I know people on uh, watching have one through five, but we're going to read one through four. All right. Psalm 36, one through four says, the transgression of the wicked saith within my heart. 
that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes. Look, in his own eyes. Until his inequity be found to be hateful. Right? Remember, living a lie. Iniquity. It says, the words of his mouth are inequity and deceit. They're not genuine. Right? He has left off to be wise and to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. So there's a place we can get in in our lives where now we're we're not operating in truth, we're operating in a lie. And so what what starts to happen is now, see, to operate in truth, the truth frees you, it frees you, and you keep elevating because truth is something that people are comfortable with. As you get around somebody, and if they're genuine, there's something about that person you just love being around because they're so genuine. You don't even know. You just know we're designed. I learned this way back when I used to work with juveniles. God placed something in us where we recognize truth. And even if we don't know it's, it's not it's a, it's a, what the lie is, we know something ain't right. You know, we talked about this on Sunday. This is a spirit of discernment. Like, you, you're picking up something. And so... For whatever reason, you're never settled when someone is not genuine. You could be friends with the person, but there's something about you where, no, 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 no. You're always following up with what they're doing. You ask them a thousand questions. Now, this is your friend, supposedly, (laughs) right? You got a thousand questions. You're always following up. You're always making sure you got all these stop gaps to make sure they don't play you, right? Why? Because there's in there somewhere, this, there's, there's a scent coming out that sin is called lying. And now, now, again, we have lying that we know of. You say something that's not the truth, but there's also you live something that's not the truth that's a lie too. And that has a stronger scent than even the words that comes out. Right? You just pick it up. And, and you, it's hard for you to endorse or utilize that person to their fullest because they're not living the full truth. Right? Does that make sense? Okay. (laughs) See, so so again, this hidden iniquity is, uh, that iniquity is that which is turned aside from its course. So as you're living a lie, it's turned aside from the course that God had designed. You know, remember in the Bible, it says they turned the truth of God into a lie, right? It says they didn't retain God in their knowledge, so they turned the truth into a lie. Eventually, he turned them over to a reprobate mind, and they start doing things unseemly, things that may be okay for the world, but it wasn't okay for God. They start doing things that, that were, that that was going to be, they were, they, were, they were getting comfortable in living a lie. That wasn't the, the uh, maximum purpose for their design. That was a compromised version of it. You, you, so, so right now, I'm, I'm living, and, and I do the home keys. Obviously, I do a lot of typing. If, I, if, if I'm doing lower thirds, um, the artwork for lower thirds, I have to... I have to type it out to create the art, but then I got to type it out to file it. So I'm always typing. I'm just typing. I, I don't have a secretary. I type out all my notes, <laughs> and they're detailed, right? And the thing is, so I'm always typing, but 
I'm typing, I still got this, this crooked finger. This is not the optimal use of this finger. This is, this, actually, right now, this finger is a lie. Because that's not the way it was designed to be. That's not the way I, it was designed to be. This is the result of compromise. This is the result of, 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 of a, a break and me not going to the hospital to have things put in proper place. Me letting it heal without it being put in proper place. And so a lot of times we've learned to tolerate things. When I had the surgery on my L5, the guy says, you have a high tolerance for pain, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, you could have had this done taken care of a long time ago. Well, the first time it happened, somebody threw me over their back playing basketball as a football player, uh, Mr. Gordon, just in case you watch it. It was you, yeah. Way back, I was in high school. It took me two weeks to get home. T- not, no, it took me two hours to get home. <laughs> I said two weeks. It took me two hours. <laughs> two, two weeks to get home. <laughs> like, I, I was eating and sleeping. And, I, I, lived, I lived literally like maybe five, ten minutes from the court. So that, but it did take two hours. Like, I couldn't. Yeah, first, first I was just sitting there. I was like, I don't know, like. I'm a kid, so I don't really know what to do, but hospital was never an option because, you know, it wasn't something talked about, maybe because of money or whatever. But so I just, just never went. And from time to time, I, I, I would, again, I'm not a doctor, but I would go, man, you know, I, uh, you know, I feel like my nerve is pinching my spinal cord. I'm just making up stuff. Like, I don't really know. But it was painful. But it did feel like something was happening in that vertebrae area. Then I went to college, and one day I'm backpedaling, ah! You know, and for, for probably three or four months, I told everybody I was retired, not playing basketball ever again. You know, it was my freshman year in college. Then I, you know, missed basketball, wrapped myself with an ace band, you know, remember the ace bands back in the day, you know. We, we, so I'm not a doctor, right? And it felt, felt comfortable. And so... I played the season. I would go to the trainer. He would wrap up my waist. And then if you know, I had a, a thigh injury, wrap up my thigh, go out there and play. Uh, did that for years. Then I got into this uh, heated um, confrontation when I was pledging. Uh, this, you know, uh, this, this was just heated confrontation, I won't say, because the person is no longer living. But uh, uh, I hurt my back again. All right? Just roll with it, okay? Just roll with it, okay? You can ask me later. All right, so uh, <laughs> it's my daughter. All right, so, so, uh, so I heard it again. And so off and on I would hurt it. Sometimes I, mean, I would go out, I, I, my hip would hurt. Uh, one day somebody ran into my hip. I felt like my whole side was, was going to crack. Stopped playing for two weeks. I don't know why it's two weeks. You know, right back out there playing. Then I would be, I would be hurting, and I was like, as soon as I get warm, I'll be fine. And once I get warm, I'm jumping around. And then that day, this guy, he couldn't do nothing. He was trying to stretch. He was trying to do – I was in extreme pain. I was at a chiropractor. And then we was at the house one day. I said, babe, if I could lay down or stand up, I said, I would do it. I can't do either one. I'm in pain both ways. We got to go to the hospital. And, I, and I, don't, I don't even be going to the hospital. Come to find out, I had a bulging disc. I let it elevate all those years, running in weight jackets, 40-pound weight jackets, dun, rock, dun, 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 you know, Rocky, you know, like, right? The thing is, what I'm trying to say is, it wasn't, my, I wasn't allowing my body to operate in its maximum. 
right? Because I didn't embrace the truth. I basically needed help. Things were wrong and they needed to be fixed. Things were wrong and they needed to be fixed. They need, I needed to make some changes and I needed to, some correction and I needed to deal with some surgery, right? I still think I'm talking about my injury. All right, so, 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 so let's, let's, let's go to a familiar scripture in Luke, Luke 13. See, see, God made the body and the mind so amazing. You know, we can, we can, we, a lot of us have lived in a lie for a long time. Have not, you know, and, and you know how, how you get close to the truth and you, you start snapping on people? Let me get some amens because y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me, let me leave me up here by myself. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, we create diversions. Uh, uh, we, didn't we do a message some years ago? I did a message and we were talking about how you, you have uh, tantrums, temper tantrums, panic attacks, you know, all of a sudden because you know somebody's about to hit you with the truth. You know, you, you know uh, I was listening to uh, Dr. Dollar made a comment. I just happened to have the TV on. He was talking about how he says uh, people are manipulative. And he says, he said, people that play the victim are very manipulative. They're trying to manipulate you. People that be going off, like, for the simplest thing, they're trying to get you too. Because they're like, uh-oh, they almost got, almost got to the truth. The truth almost came out. No, you want people to get to the truth. But some of us have been so busy, uh, so comfortable with the lie, uh, we, have to, we have this fortress, these uh, landmines. That was the teaching. These landmines, you know, anytime we're about to get to the truth. All right, so Luke 13, 27, right? It says, uh, but, but he shall say, I tell you, I'm sorry. Let's go up here to 24. It says, strive to enter in at the straight gate for many, I say unto you, uh, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. It says, when, when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. I just told you, where are you? <laughs> Think of this, so if you've been lying, you don't even know where you're at. Right? He says, verse 26, it says, then shall ye begin to say, we have, like he asked where you are, where are you? Where are you really? But listen to the response, because this is a default. Then ye, shall begin, then ye shall begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in, the, in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Where are you? Depart from me, you workers of inequity. And it says there'll be weeping and gnashing the teeth. Remember, one says, I've cast out demons and healed the sick in your name. They said I cast out demons and healed the sick in your name. So they believed they cast out demons and healed the sick in his name. That doesn't mean they did. See, we read the scripture like, man, look at these people who cast out demons and healed the sick in their name. The scripture never authenticated that they did it. It says they said, this, this was their justification to say, I'm approved. I don't understand why I'm still here. See, the fact that you're not in this, on the other side of the door, it's saying there's something you haven't seen. But instead of saying, hey, could you tell me, uh, uh, give me the breakdown of my reality so 
I can actually do what it takes to get on the other side of the door. That's not what people's response are. They tripping, you know, like on one of these, uh, uh, the music shows, where they say, no, no, you, you didn't win. They going off like, oh, y'all got to be tripping. As opposed to, hey, hey, could you tell me what I need to do the next time? I'll come back next time. Just tell me what I need to do because obviously there's something I can't see. Instead of think, seeing that, embracing the fact that it might be something I can't see, oh, no, 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 I see everything. I see everything and there's nothing wrong with me. You guys have lost your mind. They're telling the Lord this. And if we keep it up with a lie, we're going to be one of those people. And at last times, actually thinking that, oh, oh no, no, can I see the records? Because something's got to be wrong there. Something, y'all must have missed something. Because there's no way I'm not on the other side of that door. But some of us are not going to be on the other side of the door because we haven't lived in reality our entire life. To a point, for James chapter 1 says, we've actually deceived our own heart. We actually deceived our, we don't even see we're in a lie. We actually really believe what we're saying. Right? We, we're opposing ourselves, right? And so, uh, <laughs> See, see, so what happens is this inequity has you believing what you've done is approving you, but it also is masking the reality of your hidden actions. This lie is masking the reality of your hidden actions. See, see, so I, I, I have this question, but I've, I've always thought about this. How do we approve ourselves? Like, how do we speak in absolutes? You know, like, and almost like, I know everything that I'm saying is absolute. Not, not, I'm not saying this is what the Lord says. I'm talking about people that are opinionated in their opinion, and they're talking like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. How do you approve yourself? See, something's, something's going on inside when we approve ourselves, right? When we've established our own um, criteria for our promotion. <laughs> this is just amazing. People join teams, I don't understand why I'm not playing. Oh, why don't you ask why you're not playing instead of thinking we tripping? Because there's probably a great reason why you're not. Well, I know more than they do. Well, you might know more than they do, but you don't live out more than they do. You haven't applied it to your life more than they do. So the little they've applied is much more than you knowing uh, hundreds of thousands of more information and apply none of it. They, they know a tenth of what you know and they're applying a tenth of, 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 of what they realize. You ain't applying nothing, but you know hundreds of thousands of more information. All right, so let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. And uh, I apologize. I, I, I've, I've seen this different than I've ever seen it before. I always use the scripture to talk about, uh, you know, dare not to compare yourself with yourself and others from the standpoint of don't compare yourself to what you have done before and don't compare yourself with what everybody else is doing. Well, you shouldn't do that anyway, but this scripture is actually, God showed me, okay, there's something, Keith, you didn't see in this scripture, right? And so, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you here in a second. It says, so, for we dare not make ourselves of the number. Right? You just make yourself a number, just, just blending and trying to be like everybody else, right? 
It says, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Look, look, it's saying, don't compare yourselves with people that are approving themselves. <laughs> right? It says, it says, but now this is after the colon, so it's breaking down those people. It says, but they measuring themselves by themselves or comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So it's talking about people that are approving themselves. And their standard for approval is themselves. And their comparison is themselves. And, and how they're assessing themselves is based on themselves. That's not wise, according to Scripture. Drop down to verse 18. It says, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commended. And so, so why are people offended most of the time? Because they've commended themselves. But, the, but it doesn't, promotion doesn't come from themselves or ourselves. Promotion comes from God, right? Right? So, so, so based on this, we should never be offended. Because if we haven't arrived at a place, then God didn't approve it. And God knows best, doesn't he? Oh, do some of y'all agree? Some of y'all... <laughs> no, no, it's cool. It's cool. I, just, I knew. I, I knew. You know, you, you, the information you have to process through, too, you're at the same time. So I'll just be playing. All right. So, so, so this is the thing. We said we have to be honest about where we are to actually grow up and get to where God wants us to be. And so uh, I asked this question some years ago, but can you offer to God the private stash? You know, does God have access to your secret life? Because that's what we, we need to change. You know, I think we do pretty decent on the surface. It's just that core part that we don't realize is, is, uh, is, is where the approval takes place. You know, God looks on the heart. And so sometimes we have this secret stash, this private, uh, this private life. And the private part is the lie that we've been carrying around for years, you know, <laughs> sleeping with the enemy, right? <laughs> See, and so, so can God have the relationships, the resources, the time that are just for your benefit but not the kingdom? Can he have that? So, yeah, a couple people over here say, yes, okay, all right. <laughs> see, see, the faith life is not compartmentalized. The faith life is not compartmentalized. And this is the thing. I think sometimes we compartmentalize it. We go, oh, no, listen. Now, y'all know every time I'm at church, uh, I'm, I'm handling business. I'm one of the top servers in the church when I'm at church. Now, you can't ever say when you see me at church, I wasn't taking care of business. You are correct. But it's not compartmentalized. When you walk out the door, you don't go, take off this church stuff. <laughs> Woo! Let's get busy. No, 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 no. What's the, it's, it's, hold on. We're not mindful of God when we leave the house? It's only when we're in the house? Or, or we're around Christians? <laughs> Christian folk? It's not compartmentalized, okay? And see, so this is the thing. So we have to watch leaving uh, abandoning sanctification or leaving sanctification and reducing yourself into a secret. Um, 
Because when you start creating secret, secrets or, or gossip or self-assessed accomplishments, you know, you put yourself in a corruptible place, right? And you don't want to be in a corruptible place, you know, because then you start getting clouded from the truth. It's, it's, it's not like, like people are not evil when they do this. It's just sometimes you just you, you feel better. You, you think you feel better when you see somebody else doing worse. And then when you magnify it and talk about it, you feel, you feel good that you're not doing that. You ever be in a situation, you know, you just, somebody come to church and, and God bless you. They come to church and they, you know, they, they, they fresh out the pack. They, you know, uh, we was at a church, young man just came to church. He just came to church. He just came from living out there. He's trying to reset his life. Well, I, I see him looking at my wife all the time, but I was never offended. And then one day, we was working out at the house, and I said, I said, I said uh, yeah, I remember when you first came to church, man, you looking at my wife all the time. No, no, I wasn't looking at your wife. I said, yes, you were. I said, I said, I said, but I said, I wasn't mad. You just came off the street. You were looking at women all the time. So you walked into the church, and that's how you was looking. Somebody walks in, and they wear crazy clothing, or you like, look at how they dress. That's how they was dressing out there. They're, they're going to come in, and they're going to learn to acclimate themselves to the, to, the, to the culture. You see what I'm saying? Like, hopefully... Hopefully they get help and not magnifying what you don't like because you feel bad, better because you were in the church first and you've been in the church longer. That ain't right. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, so you want to help people to evolve uh, in these processes. And this is the thing. So, 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 so what we're all trying to do, because we said we're working on some things for six months, we're trying to grow up. And we want to grow up to really live in the truth, right? We want to embrace the truth, right? And so, and, and so you don't want to keep telling yourself lies. Remember, you can deceive your own heart, right? See, because the lies we tell ourselves introduce us to the adversary. Listen, the lies we tell ourselves introduce us to the adversary. So you don't want to just start like, you know, like, you really ain't handling business, and then you try to create a package in your mind that makes it look like what well, really is handling business, but you know you're not, as opposed to, man, I just need to step things up. That's like me saying I'm in shape. You know, like convincing myself, like looking for a bunch of people that's not in the shape I'm in and go, well, you know, I could be like that. No, I, I have to get in shape for Keith. I can't be looking around with nobody else. And so I'm not in shape. I know I'm not in shape. I know what I need to do. You see what I'm saying? So, so I'm good with that. Remember I told you I have a full-length mirror in the house that I look at. <laughs> you, know, you know, just to keep me like, ah, you're still not there yet, buddy. <laughs> Get it together, you know. It's hard. Yeah, I'm older. <laughs> but I'm still working at it, right? All right, so... so you know, we want to stay out of the world of lies. Well I, well, I say we want to stay out of the world of lies and flies, right? And so, 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 you know, remember the fig tree was a lie. That's why it was cursed. It was supposed to be given figs. So it presented itself like it was a fig tree with leaves, but it had no figs. So Jesus said, if you're not going to fulfill purpose, why are you here? He cursed the tree. Right? So we want to get out of worlds of lies and flies. Fig trees and being attracted to mess. Flies are attracted to mess. <laughs> right? You don't want to be living a stinky lie, right? 
Right, and uh, the, the scripture says in Isaiah 28, 15, I'm going to let you uh, write that down just for the sake of time. But it said they were covered in lies. No, it says lies were their refuge. Ooh, ooh, listen, listen. Lies were their refuge. So it's like when, when I was challenged, I ran to lies. When we're challenged, run to the truth. See, 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 some of us have lived life where we're challenged, we'll run to a lie. You ever talk to somebody and, you know, we're living the Christian life now, so most of us are not around lies a lot. You know, some of us, you know, back in the B.C. days, we just, we all were lying. So, you know, you just live a lie. You know, you ain't leaving the room because you figure somebody's going to lie when you leave, you know. Um, so now you probably around more truth. I'll just say that. I don't know how everybody living, but I'm, I'm going to just say, I'm going to assume we're all around more truth. So you know how, like, you could be talking to somebody and you'll say, you're saying to yourself, I know they're not lying because you're further removed from lies. You see what I'm saying? And, but then when you realize they're lying, you're like, well, how could they just, like, right in my face, break down that lie like that? And sometimes it's not like they're, like, trying to get tough and lie. It's a reflex. See, see it's almost like a, a security system that doesn't ask for their permission before it, it, it protects them. And it just, it's, so it's their default is lying. Anytime they're under pressure where they're about to get truth, they just be lying. Some people, it's their default for self-esteem. You know, you know, to get around certain people that they believe are a certain status, and they say, so, so what are you doing? And they just be making up stories. That's not what you're doing, man. Just tell them what you're doing. Like, Listen, this be a part of your testimony when you're not doing it no more. But for right now, you got to tell them what you're doing, man. You can't just be making up stuff. You know, if we start, first started the church, you know, dance through this stuff. So how many members you got? Eight? Because <laughs> we had eight members. How many members you got? 16? How many members you got? Well, we had 25, eight left. No, I actually told that story. I'm not making that up. <laughs> I actually told the story because it was true. And I'm be honest with you, if y'all watching, I was like, why y'all keep asking me how many members I got? Man, we just started the church, man. And the Bible says we ain't supposed to be spending all our time counting anyway, man. Why you, you know, like the times we've had to count when we got to church, you have to count because based on your units, your units of everybody that participates in what you do is how they determine if they're giving you the loan. Got it. If we, when we go into two services, you know, which may happen from what I'm seeing in the future, you quicker than we may even think, well, you got to count because based on the population of who's coming in, you want to have two services so people are comfortable, they can move and stuff like that. Well, we're not, you know, we're not just every service having extra seats. Okay, you're supposed to count there. But right now, when people ask me, I tell them the last I counted because I really don't know right now because when we got to church, it was almost two years ago now. Yeah, in October, it would be two years that we moved into this building. Remember, we had the COVID year. The COVID, the COVID year got us a little bit. So it would be almost two years in October. And so the interesting thing is, we had to do numbers in October. So I tell people, hey, last I checked, because I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But I can't be making up stuff. You know, uh, I think we're about six, seven hundred. Um, you know, 
I've been to places. I was like, where they, where they, <laughs> where they fitting the people? Like, you got 7,000 folk. You sitting, seating. You know, I'm a math guy. Y'all know that, right? So I counted the chairs out. She got 188 chairs. So how many services you got? Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just my, my, how my mind works, right? Right, so, so again, we can't be covered in a refuge of lies. Now, Isaiah 29 talks about how they honor me with their lips, right? Let's, let's really look at that real quick, just, just real quick. I'm going to take just a couple extra minutes. 29, verse 13. Isaiah 29, 13. It says, Wherefore the Lord says, For, for as much as the people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. It says, therefore, I, well, I'm not even going to get that. Y'all get the point. <laughs> I mean, that kind of covers it. So, so a saying is that you, should, you have reference for me, one, because I loved you first, and, and again, I've showed you my love, but I hear a lot of conversation about me that sounds very eloquent, but I don't see the matching hearts. So God is saying I'm looking for the matching hearts. And this is the thing. First of all, Pastor Mel does tell me, well, we tell each other we love each other all the time, like all day, you know, just I love you, I love you. We'd be in separate rooms. I love you, I love you. Um, but, but, but the reality is this. I wouldn't even be paying attention to Pastor Mel if her heart wasn't attached to it. And how I know her heart's attached to it? By her actions. Her, not, not, not the stuff that, that I request on paying attention to. There's things she does that she don't even know I see. Totally intangible. I know she loves me. Like, there's, I'm not even guessing. I'm not worried about her. She can go places. She can talk to people. Uh, you know, I ran into, I was talking to this guy, and I, I told him about the church, this, that, and the other. I'm not going, okay, what guy? I'm not, I'm not tripping like that. First of all, I know her. <laughs> you know, so she's like, yeah, and I gave him your card. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but what I'm saying is her actions, everything she does, breathes she loves Keith Bradley. Everything, like, like without her trying. And so, so again, so her conversation has more value because of her heart attached. Remove her heart. There's been a whole lot of people telling me love it. Just like, just like people tell us all the time, man, you know, man, I just, you know, I love what you guys are doing and you guys have been a blessing to me. Man, I just want to, I just want to sow into the church. You know how many times we've heard that? People have done that, I'm just saying. But if, if everybody says they said they was going to sell to the church. When we sold to the church, it would be paid off now. <laughs> Seriously, it would be. But again, I, I, we don't get offended. It's kind of like we just, you know, you go with the corresponding actions. Right? Then you know it's, you know, this is the person just wasn't just, it wasn't just what they were saying. It was what they was doing. Same thing at the church. Yeah, I, I'm capable of doing this. I can do that. Do this. You go with the corresponding actions. See, that's when it's the truth. When your inside is reflecting outside, your outside is reflecting inside, it's the truth. But when your outside is saying one thing and your inside is saying something else, hey, hey, that's division. 
division, two different visions, two different agendas. And sometimes the, the inside agenda dominates and the outside agenda dominates, right? But it should be one agenda <laughs> called the truth. Does that make sense? See, uh, the word is, I think it's perfidious, but it means untrustworthy, deceitful, right? And I know, I know what deceitful and untrustworthy sounds like, but even if people are not like just overtly evil people, they can be untrustworthy and they can be deceitful. See, if we just attach it to the demonic, crazy, lying, stealing person, we're going to miss the everyday Joe. I don't know, I don't know if that's the way, the way of doing it. Or let's say everyday Joe and Jane that you can't trust. Why? Because they're not fully genuine, not because they're trying to be evil, they stole your money, you know, they got a little hustle on the side. No, you can't trust them because they're not consistent. They say things that they don't do, right? They, matter of fact, they're so used to talking, they forget the things they say, but you remember them because you needed them to do them. <laughs> they forgot because they're so used to talking about it. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. <laughs> right? Well, guess what? It's deceitful. See, deceit, it's not genuine. Right? You just reflex the thing. Yeah, I got you. I got you. No, you don't. <laughs> you never had me. It's okay. Just don't tell me you have me. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be easier? You just don't tell me, <laughs> right? Then I'm not looking forward to it. Then you don't have to lie. Does that make sense? So, so as we grow, it's a peaceful environment where everybody walking in truth. I'm not talking about denial, running, because now, now we, I, I know y'all. So y'all out there, Melon, uh, Pastor Melanie's friends in TV land, I know how y'all do. Y'all going to, Twisted in the, well, I'm just telling you the truth. And it's, but you, no, 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 you're not telling me the truth because that's a lie too. See, you, you posture and saying I'm telling you the truth because you don't want to go deep enough and get the reality of the situation to embrace the real truth. So you're saying how I feel about the situation has now been converted into your truth. No, that's not truth either. It's, it's, it's what God says is what's in the inner man what he customized and designed, that's the truth. So don't try, don't, don't even bother, okay? I'm just saving you the trouble. Don't bother with that. Well, you know, Pastor Keith was the other day talking about telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Keith just said tell the truth. Oh, oh, so you don't want to hear the truth? You don't want to hear the truth? See, see, stop, all right? Because, see, that's deceitful, right? So now I saved you the trouble. You don't have to set yourself up. <laughs> Because there's some people around here be going to call you out on it, and I just save you trouble from going through that. Now, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the people, your brothers and sisters. <laughs> like, hey, hey, there's going to be a whole lot of people around here going around going here. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Stop lying. What did you say you go to people say, I, I lied to you? It's going to happen another way around. People going to be like, hey, do me a favor. Hey, hey, stop lying. No, seriously. Can we just stop lying? It's okay. You don't have to lie. <laughs> it's all right. Right? 